Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, episode 943, as I discuss another great weekend of NFL football, week 19, a super wild card weekend. And I just want to say, I don't think I owe the NFL apology. I'm not going to go that far. But when this, when they decided to add one team, one team to the playoffs to go from six to seven a couple of years ago, I was all against it. I said, you know, you don't have that many good teams as it is. Somebody's going to make the playoffs that clearly doesn't deserve to make the playoffs and it's going to make for you know, some bad football. Um, a weekend like this completely disposes, dispels all of that. Because a weekend like this, because no longer – the NFL is so spread out in terms of parity that, yeah, you could have a team that uh, you don't think was any good or deserved to make it, and they could end up beating a team that at one time was 10-1. and one. Or they could end up beating a team that was considered to be a Super Bowl favorite by a zillion points. So, I again, I was dead wrong about that from that standpoint. The Super Wild Card Weekend is here. It's not going anywhere, by the way. We all know that's not going anywhere. But I was all, I was into the games uh, this weekend, um, especially with, you know, little, I mean, you want to call it a snowstorm. I mean, depending on where you were at, DFB, not so much. Buffalo got, you know, ravaged. But, you know, what's new? Uh, different year, same results. That is uh, the title of this podcast. Dreams, Doomsday in Dallas. And they may be young, but they're ready. We will flush out these a bunch of young quarterbacks stepping up in a major way. But first, we got to get to the got to get to the dessert. Sometimes, you know, I like you like I, I'm not. I eat the dinner for the dessert. But this I, this is where all the thoughts. No, we'll begin. You know what? I'm gonna switch it up. We'll go back to all the thoughts. We normally start off with all the thoughts, but I'm gonna change. I'm changing it up this episode. Down goes Dallas. Um, As you all, as anybody who knows me, knows me, uh, knows me uh, that, that has known me for any amount of time, you would know that I'm a, a Commanders fan, and the test to the, to my to to my core, the Dallas Cowboys. Now, growing up, I respected the Cowboys, Jimmy Johnson, Jerry Jones, firing Tom Landry. When they went in three, them winning three Super Bowls in four years, I respected them. Deion Sanders, I, I could, you can't deny greatness. They were a great team, team in the nineties. I hated the 49ers, so I was, I actually was rooting for them to beat the 49ers. If you want to believe that, that wouldn't happen today. Of course, if they ever played the 49ers, I would, I always root for the 49ers, beat the Cowboys. But you know, that was, I, you know, I hated the 49ers. The 49ers were the standard in the eighties, and they, you know, I hated them, so I wanted somebody to beat them. I can't think of a more like I, I it was hard for me to contain myself watching this game and how it unfolded. I didn't expect now listen, I saw some earlier in the week when the line was only like seven. My spidey senses kind of went off and saying, thinking to myself, is this game gonna be closer than what I expected? I fully expected Dallas to win this game. Green Bay, you know, was playing well coming into the playoffs. I know Jordan Love was playing great coming into the playoffs. 
and was playing, you know, like a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. We know he has has a chance to have a big future. But I, I, I didn't expect, like, I did not expect, um, there was no way I expected Green Bay to, to win this game, let alone do what they did. But when that line was only seven, I said to myself, oh, maybe this, you know, maybe this thing could get interesting. Maybe, maybe. I doubt it, but maybe. As this game is unfolding, I just, you know, I'm watching it with my mom, and we are both just, like, in shock. Like, I'm looking at receivers from Green Bay just run wide open where you basically, like, you know, it seemed like it was a 7-on-7 drill at times. And a loss like this, it, it, it goes beyond just, hey, they were able to run Aaron Jones, Hey, Dak Prescott, you know, the moment was too big for him. Hey, Dallas, um, Dallas choked up, and they did choke. The game was too big for them as a team. A loss like this, this is a culture loss. This is a, this is a loss of culture. When you see losses like this, like you saw this in the playoffs uh, either last year or a couple of years ago with, when Dallas destroyed Phoenix in that game seven. I think it was, I think it was last year. Um, or the year before last, I think it was the year before last, 22, the 22 playoffs where Phoenix got just ran through by Dallas on their own floor in a game seven by third, by like 30 points. I think it was 120 to nine, 123 to 90. Yeah. By 33 points. And it was like, yo, there's something more than just Luca's the best player on the floor. Like, no, this doesn't, they're, you know, this is a culture. This is, this is something internal. Something internally wrong is with, with the, there's something internally wrong with that organization. That's not right. And you know everything came out that happened with Phoenix, DeAndre Aiden, Chris Paul, that whole bit. We don't have to relitigate that. But that's how I looked at that's how I look at this game with Dallas. Uh, Dallas for years has been kind of like a organized organized toxic culture from the standpoint of you have an owner who wants all the credit. You have an owner who cannot get out of his own way. You have an owner who, you know, is who he is. We know what Jerry Jones is. And that, like, that comes out in moments like these when things get tight. Or when thing, or when when the pressure, when the game's online, or when there are pressure moments, there's a reason why Dallas struggled in close games, for the most part, this year. And when they won, for the most part, it was during blowouts. There's a reason why Dallas couldn't beat good teams this year. Okay, that is culture, and a toxic or or a broken culture. It stands out when the pressure's on. That team, Dallas, was as tight. They were as tight as a drum. And how you know the culture is broken? You see uh, Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb, right? C.D. Lamb was, I believe, the most targeted or second most targeted receiver in football this year. He had 135 catches. 135 catches. Dak Prescott this year led the league in touchdown passes. Second team All-Pro. Will probably finish top three in the MVP race. How is it that they are not on the same page? 
Like make make that make sense. How is it? How Dak Prescott didn't miss? I I don't believe Dak Prescott missed any games this year. That's broken culture. Like when you like when you see some of the stuff you saw with the defensive assignments or missed assignments or with the secondary. That's when a coach is broken. Because you don't know when when your coach is broken, and adversity hits, you're down fourteen nothing. You don't know how to reel it in. Like fourteen nothing in today's NFL, that's nothing. If you're a big time offensive team, Dallas this year Dallas is one of the top offensive teams in football. They average close to thirty points a game. Like fourteen nothing at your on your home field. Uh, okay, we're good. Especially when we're getting the ball back in the second half to begin the second half. Oh no, that's nothing. Then fourteen nothing became before you knew it twenty seven nothing. So you saw a pure example. We'll we'll talk about another. NFC East broken culture later on in the podcast because they're, they're actually they're probably even worse than, than what Dallas is right than where Dallas is right now uh, in terms of uh, what's going on in Philadelphia. But that was a prime example which you saw on Sunday afternoon of a broken culture. There's no way in hell that the that, that the Green Bay Packers should have should have went down to should have went to the, to uh, AT and T and ran through Dallas like they did. Green Bay is a up in, is a one of the youngest teams in the NFL. They had they ended the season very like on the hot streak, played well. Of course, we know that they, their season turned around with that Thanksgiving win to Detroit. Give Green Bay all the credit in the world. Lafleur coached circles around Mike McCarty. Circles, because I wasn't even close. So give them credit, and we know what Jordan Love is, has a chance to be. Give Green Bay all the credit in the world. I'm not trying to take it anyway from Green Bay's. Green Bay's victory. They deserve to uh, uh to be playing uh this weekend, uh this upcoming weekend in a divisional playoff game. But that game was all about Dallas. It, it was clearly was all about Dallas or what that da- or, or, or what uh, of how broken Dallas's culture culture is. You're talking about a Green Bay team that barely got into the playoffs. A Green Bay team whose receivers are young, but they're not, they don't have a CeeDee Lamb on their team. They don't have a Justin Jefferson, a Jamar Chase. None of those guys, I mean, those guys, are, they have talent. They're NFL players. And maybe one of those guys can eventually be a Pro Bowl player. But they're like, these are not top flight receivers here. We knew Aaron Jones could be a problem. Aaron Jones, is a, when healthy, can be a Pro Bowl caliber running back. We knew we could be a problem for Dallas with the running. If, 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 if Dallas, if Green Bay had any chance, they were they were going to be able to run the ball. We have to run the ball effective, effectively to beat Dallas. If they even have a chance. But I'm talking receivers, Green Bay receivers, wide open. Like Jordan Love didn't even have to throw receivers open. They were already open. He didn't even have to throw them throw them open. And from my perspective. Now, I thought about this as I'm watching the game. I'm I'm actually working on the podcast. This is how how out of hand the game got. That I was actually able to work on the podcast, my podcast during during this game during this game because it got you know at one point it was what forty eight sixteen. This is one of the worst playoff losses I've ever seen in my in my lifetime, and I would put it up there as one of the worst playoff losses in the twenty first century. Like so, I would go. I'm a, I have a list of them right here. Um, the worst one has to be like 
Atlanta, 2016, 28-3 in the Super Bowl. That 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 one, you lose a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl. There's no way. As great as Tom Brady is, there's no way in the world Atlanta um, should have remotely had any chance of coming back in that game. So that's the worst. New England, 07, 18-1, Super Bowl, losing to a giant team. Again, I know, I know the Giants got hot, and New England was starting to leak oil down the stretch. Still, there's no way New England should have lost that game. Uh, the 06 Chargers, the game where they were clearly the season where the, the Chargers were clearly to me the best fo- the team the best team in football. But Daniel Thompson was the best non quarterback, maybe the best player in football. Out if beside the quarterbacks, they blow that game, and you know to a point to where New England was celebrating a divisional a divisional win. That's how they knew they had no business winning that game. That was a tough one. 05 Indianapolis. Uh, if you remember, they got off to a hot start. I believe they got that. That might have been the season they was got started like thirteen and oh something like that. They lose at home to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh goes on to win the Super Bowl, but that was a rough one. That Indianapolis team was loaded. Peyton Manning in his prime. All those those weapons. That that was a rough one. That, that they had no business even as good as Pittsburgh was. They still had no business losing that game to um, losing that particular game at home. Twenty eleven, Green Bay loses to the Giants, fifteen and one, coming off their Super Bowl year. Uh, defense wasn't good, but Aaron Rodgers was at the top of his game. It, again, lost to a, a giant team that got hot in Lambeau Field. That's a rough one. And 21 Green Bay a couple years ago, losing a home to San Francisco uh, in which their offense was just anemic. Again, it look, it doesn't, it's aging somewhat better because we know San Francisco had a lot, has, had, has a lot of talent. But that was a game where, a season where everything was there for 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 Green Bay to win a championship that year, and they couldn't even win one playoff game. So those, this game is amongst the worst playoff losses in in that like in the twenty first century. It's right it is absolutely right there. Considering what was on the line for Dallas, considering a season where there's no dominant team, the a, the NFC is weak. All the power is in the AFC. Okay, with Kansas City, Baltimore. Um, Kansas City, Baltimore, and Buffalo. AFC, NFC is weak. And you get once you get past San Francisco, it is. I'm sorry. I, all due respect to, to Detroit, AMC is the AMC is a joke this year. So you had that going for you if you were Dallas. You had the fact that Philly fell falls off a cliff. Um, so you were going to get two playoff, two home playoff games. You had the fact that. Uh, you had a year where Dak actually played, had the best year of his career. You waste that. Um, and the bottom line is, you know, Green Bay, listen, Green Bay had no pro bowlers on their team. None. No pro. They had no pro bowlers. Dallas had has five all pros. Five. Five all pro players versus a team that had no pro bowlers. Zero. There's no way that Dallas got, that Dallas should have lost this game, let alone get dominated. There's no way they should even have lost this by like. It is not hyperbole to say that this is the worst loss in the in the history of their franchise. Maybe not the most devastating. Maybe you want to take one of those Super Bowl losses to Pittsburgh or the the Ice Bowl, where you lose on the last play, but you're losing to all time great teams. Like you're losing the, the Steelers, still current. You're losing to to Vince Lombardi's Packers, those are all time, like, those are tough losses, but they're not bad losses. 
in the sense of the opponent and the coaching and, and, and who you're facing. These were not Lombardi's Packers that they faced on Sunday. Not even remotely. And, you know, I just <laughs> listen to all the Dallas stuff. It, like, <laughs> there, were, there was a faction of Dallas fans that kind of saw this, wouldn't, you know, were not shocked by this, which is which tells you what their franchise has, has been. And there was a faction of their fans. There's a fraction, a faction of their fans that are still in shock, shock right now. Um, Dallas has lost three straight playoff games as seven point favorites. Thirteen straight playoff appearances without a conference championship appearance. That that is, they're adding to their own record. Uh, from that standpoint. Um, we, we know how long it's been since they've been to a conference championship, since they've won the Super Bowl, and they are the most re- relevant, irrelevant team in all the sports. They're relevant when it comes to the business and marketing and branding and attention they, they receive. They're irrelevant when it comes to uh, being, being, a, being a championship, being in a championship conversation. Let's just, just call it what it is. Like, like that that is that it is what it is from that standpoint. And you know, is this is not gonna get better. Like, yeah, you can get rid of McCarthy. Cool. You probably you shouldn't have hired him in the first place. Jerry's still there. Okay. You still have Jerry Jones still with his hand on the throttle as owner, general manager, so on and so on. And now yeah, you're probably going to pay Dak, which is going to cause you, and now that roster is going to get thinner because you're going to pay Dak. You're eventually going to pay C.D. Lamb. You're eventually going to pay uh, Makai Parsons, Michael Parsons, who was, who, who was nowhere to be found in that game. Had one, maybe one holding penalty that was against him. Other than that, this is nowhere to be found. And I think he's a great player, but I maybe, you know, maybe focus more on you know, less podcasting and more, maybe more and more more time in the film room for a playoff game. Maybe that. Maybe yeah. Maybe postpone your podcast to the summertime because he like for the much talking as he did this year in the pre and in the off season last year in the playoff game. You know, you want to start comparing him to some of the all time greats and all his potential he has with some guys like Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White. Those guys showed up in the playoffs. Period. Those Ray Lewis's, those guys, those great defense players, they showed they showed up in the playoffs, year in and year out. Even when their team lost, they showed up in the playoffs. And now you know now the circus begins. Uh, out again, I don't expect McCarthy will be back. Um, we'll talk more about the coaching situation. Uh, but you're gonna hear Belichick's name. I mean, the smart move for Dallas would be. If they do get rid of McCarthy, would be Vrabel, but then you know that's too that's not splashy enough for one Jerry Jones. I, I think if Jerry if, if McCarthy does go, he's going to look for the big splash to try to take some of the sting and some of the attention off this other this other embarrassing loss that they had against the Packers. As far as the Packers goes, get, listen, give the Packers a lot of credit as far as them transitioning from the Aaron Rodgers era. They have a lot of young talent on that team. They're a young team. They're only going to get better. The division is going to be right there for them. 
Detroit is no juggernaut by any stretch of imagination. Good team, but they, I mean, Detroit, like they, they don't like. I, I would take Jordan Love over Jared Goff in a heartbeat. So you already have the best quarterback in the division to me, and you know they. Um, I give them a lot of credit because it could have went south. It could have went left quickly with them with the with Aaron Rodgers leaving. And how that went down, and you know, and, and, and by the way, Aaron Rodgers absolutely did them a favor in, in a sense. To be honest with you, now we can pour into this young quarterback who's going to be who's a budding star. His first full season throws thirty-two touchdown passes and wins a playoff game in his first full season. A more successful first full season than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was good in his first full season as starting quarterback, but their team the team did not make the playoffs. Now, all fairness, there was no number seven seed as well as you know this Green Bay team probably wouldn't have made the playoffs then if, if under the old format so I gotta be fair about that but they have their quarterback and they just can all they have to do is just continue to develop talent and they will be in the Super Bowl conversation next year without question we'll get back now to all the thoughts um, we are the Buffalo Bills of course were able to get by Pittsburgh 31 uh 31 to 17 in a game that probably that should not have been as hard it, a game that wasn't as close as the score indicated I know Pittsburgh I know Pittsburgh cut the game cut the cut the margin to seven but you never got the sense that Pittsburgh was ever going to win this game this was the best of Josh Allen that this was the Josh Allen that we saw a couple years ago, this was a Josh Allen that we saw that has finished top three in the MVP race a couple of times. Uh, four touchdowns, including that electrifying 52-yard run. Um, perfect balance, 34 runs, 30 passes. They even had a bunch of rushing yards, minus the Josh Allen run, run, rushing yards, which I always look at because I, I always use that to gauge the physicality of Buffalo. Are they, are they intentionally trying to run the football? They were. Um, they stayed away from the turnovers. Josh Allen did. Again, the only reason this game was close, they took the fall off the gas a little bit late in the game. Pittsburgh made a couple plays, but otherwise, this was a a a uh you know a very a for the most part dominant performance uh for Buffalo over Pittsburgh uh as it should have been. They were clearly a clearly a better team than Pittsburgh. Um, you know Pittsburgh fought, but Pittsburgh just just doesn't have enough. Doesn't you know, have a quarterback. Uh, for that, uh, for that matter, and it sets up another matchup with you know right now the best rivalry in football uh, because they've met so many times in the playoffs. You know Kansas City and Buffalo, and they will meet this time. Um, they will meet this time in Orchard in Orchard Park in Buffalo. This is a game, and I'll get I'll preview this game right here right now. This is a game that if you're the Buffalo Bills, you absolutely have to win. You absolutely have to win this game. You are catching Kansas City. This is the worst version that of Kansas City that we've seen in the Mahomes, Andy Reid era. Okay, they are not a very good offensive team. They now they are excellent defensively. They have some players on defense. We know Spagnola. They they they've been great this year defensively. They've been carried by their defense, but. Buffalo is a better team than Kansas City right now. They are. And with home field advantage, 
this is a this is this is this could be a a a organizational defining game for that organization moving forward. Because you lose this game, all those happy feelings about the six game winning streak and the you know the saving your season and you know fighting off adversity throughout the regular season when you were six and six, all that to me goes out the window if you lose this game. Because again, this is a version of a Kansas City. This Kansas City team is not very good. Is they're dangerous. They're always dangerous with Mahomes, but they're not very. They're, they're they are not very good. This is the, this is not a championship Kansas City caliber team. This is, this is they're not. There's a reason why they're playing on the road uh, for the first time in, in the Mahomes Andy Reid era. Okay, this is a game you know where you handle your business if you're the Buffalo Bills. Again, I again this will be a very close game, highly competitive. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, they played a close game um, earlier this season with Buffalo. Uh, was in the midst of their turnaround, and he took out Kansas City. I think it was 20, uh, 20 and 17. So it's not – again, if you're Buffalo, it's not like you haven't had success beating Kansas City. You've beat Kansas City in the regular season uh, a few times. The problem has been in the postseason. So, you know, they lost home in 21 and in, uh, in 20 and 21. Uh, in 20, of course, um, that uh, in the AFC Championship game, which they weren't ready. In 21, of course, that classic overtime game, uh, 42-36. Uh, yeah, 42-36. So this will be the third time in four years that they meet. They know each other up and down. There's no, like, they've met, like, how many times between, what, their fourth playoff game? This is, like, the, the what, the ninth time they've met? In the last four years, they played twice in 2020. They played twice in 21. So that's four. 22, they played once. Five, six. So seven times, basically, in four years, they've met. This will be their seventh meeting in, in the last four years. So these teams, these teams know each other extremely well. Um, again, Buffalo, has they have to win this game. And to me... Uh, it's going to come down. Can number one, can they run the ball effectively? And two, can Josh Allen stay away from the big mistake? Because Kansas, Kansas City's defense is is for real. They are a very good defense. They have a top five. They had legitimately they were one of the top five defenses that I saw all season long. They that defense they can get to you with the pass rush. They have excellent. The cornerbacks is one McDuffie's is an all pro. They, they on all three levels, they are very good defensively. Spagnola, we know what he's done over the course of his career, uh, especially in these playoffs in these playoff moments. So it's Buffalo's again, and I would say right now, to be honest with you, I think Mahomes. You know, Mahomes. We, we know Mahomes is, is the best quarterback in the league, but you know, is you don't you're not like you, you would take Mahomes over uh, Allen uh, in this particular game, but it's not they don't have a big edge. There's a small edge in quarterbacking. You're not giving that. Normally, Mahomes would be head and shoulders above the, the, the opposing quarterback. Not in this game. Like, Allen can look Mahomes head toe-to-toe when he's playing at it, when he's on top of his game. He's just, Allen could be as good as any quarterback in the league when he's on top of his game. So, I'm looking forward to this. Um, again, if you can't beat Kansas City now, if you're Buffalo, you'll never be able to beat them. And if you lose this game, 
it's, it's be it'd be hard. I wouldn't fire McDermott. Because I think I, I, I I'm not going to discount the job he's done to turn that season around. Considering what we just watched in Philadelphia, so we shouldn't like the culture is solid in Buffalo, and we shouldn't dismiss the turnaround that they had. Considering what had what transpired in Dallas, and considering what transpired in Philadelphia, what's, what's transpiring right now in Philadelphia, but they would have to have a hard look at that organization internally if they were to lose this this game uh, to Kansas City. Now, you lose to Baltimore or losing the Super Bowl, that's one thing you can live with that somewhat, but you lose. To, you lose to this version of the Kansas City Chiefs, that that cannot happen if you're the Buffalo Bills. Uh, come on, um, on Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening. The deep dive. Uh, we've been talking a lot about culture so far in this program, uh, so far in this podcast, and it is weird. It it like it was. It was prevalent this weekend in the NFL with these cultures, uh, with the importance of culture. We know, uh, we know culture in not only sports, culture in any organization. How important is it? It is uh, workplace or what have you. But there are you look at the NFL right now, and you look at the top cultures. I would say Kansas City, Baltimore, San Francisco, Green Bay, Buffalo, the Rams. Cincinnati's up there. I would have said Philadelphia, but I can't put Philadelphia up there anymore. I'm sorry. Right now, they're they're a shit show, and we'll get into that. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get into that later on in the program and podcast. But it's more important now, even in the, in the NFL. It's more important now for your culture to be intact than it's ever been. Um, than it's ever been. Looking back to those Dallas Cowboy teams of the '90s, you look back. I, I think you probably have to give Jimmy Johnson more credit for being one of the all-time great great coaches than what we are willing to give him, even despite having us two Super Bowls. Because that coach, looking back now, that culture wasn't the greatest. Some of the stuff that was going on off the field with that team, some stuff he had to deal with, and then dealing with Jerry Jones. Now, some of the stuff Jimmy did to himself because some of the the players that he drafted, he took talent over character. Let's be honest. Like Jimmy Johnson, uh, you could be if you couldn't play. I don't care if you were, uh, you know, feeding the homeless in, in church seven days a week. He he wanted players. He his whole thing was let me get the best coordinators let me get the best players and i will delegate and empower those those people to do their jobs and we'll see we'll let the chips fall where they may be and it worked they got three super bowls in four years including back to back but now the salary cap being as it is the parody the television money being split your culture has to be you have to have a a a a legitimately solid culture because in the NFL, there are going to be injuries. You're going to have adversity over the course of the season. Cleveland went through how many quarterbacks? Four quarterbacks this year. Okay? Things are going to happen. question is, can your culture survive it? We saw Cleveland survive, and despite the loss to Houston, that was more about J.C. J. C. J. Stroud than anything. Despite that loss, Cleveland had a great year. 
They would have to win through four quarterbacks and still made the playoffs in the toughest division in football. Cincinnati, their culture survived Joe Burrow being being injured, um, missing the last part of the season, and they almost made the playoffs. They went nine and eight. I mean, that's that's a great season for Cincinnati, all things considered, to be honest with you. Their culture survived that. They didn't fall apart. And we'll get to Philly, but what happened to Dallas? Hmm. What happened to again, we can look at a number of teams. Uh what's going on with, with Tennessee right now? We'll we'll talk more about that later on. Uh clearly Mike Vrabel is not feeling is not feeling that culture. Feeling that culture. It might be time for Pittsburgh to adjust this culture. Not saying they have a bad culture, but they might it, they might want to be you know, move into the 21st century as far as their culture goes. Maybe that, that Pittsburgh way needs to be tweaked a little bit and updated. We'll talk about Tomlin uh, later on in the program as well. And again, I put here, and I put Jerry Jones a reason. Money doesn't buy culture. The Dallas Cowboys are the most valuable for franchise in all in all the sports. I'm not counting the soccer teams, you know, Man City and 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 are in those teams with soccer. I'm talking about in in the four major sports, the Dallas Cowboys are the most valuable sports franchise. It means nothing when it comes to the product on the field. It does. It doesn't. And again, if your culture is jacked, it's going to get exposed. It's going to come out. We saw this last year with the Philadelphia 76ers in the playoffs. Despite all that talent, we know the culture was toxic, lack of leadership, accountability, and what happened uh, in the playoffs. They got eliminated as usual in the second in the conference semifinals when, in, in a series that, frankly, they probably should have won. But again, if I'm thinking about, let's say I'm putting myself in a position, I'm an owner, right? And I'm interviewing a coach. Yeah, I want to win games, of course. I also... I, my one of my main questions would be to the coach. Like, what what is your belief in co- what what does a co- what does a culture look like to you? What does a great culture look like to you? How are you going to set up our franchise for success? Even when you even when you say even if you're retired or move along move, move or uh, let's say move along move past us, like we want we want to be set up for for success even after. You're gone. Like we want to, we want to. I want to learn from you as a coach how to instill this culture. So I mean, that's how, I mean. But again, most owners, a lot of these owners, don't have. I don't. They have, their egos are too big to ask those type of questions to the coach. They are, but it's more. I'm telling you right now, it culture is more important than ever. And what you see, what you're seeing in the NFL and the NBA is. You know, people complain in the NBA about player empowerment. The reason why there's been so much player empowerment uh, within the organization is because you have shitty cultures. So if I'm a top five, if I'm a top player in this league, all-star, all-NBA caliber player, and your culture is shitty, of course I feel like I, I'm going to feel like I can do whatever the hell I want. And why shouldn't I feel this way, considering that there's no accountability there's no leader. If, if 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 up if up top is is ran 
if there's no leader, if the, if the leadership is horrible up top, why should I, as a as a top player, not want to do any, not want to do whatever I want to do, or not want, or not want the organization run how I feel like it should be run? The Miami Heat have a culture. That Heat culture is that's real. It goes from Pat Riley to Eric Spoelstra, and it filters all all the way down to the players. That's why they can go. That's why you've seen some of the teams that haven't been as talented make it to the NBA Finals. That team last year had no business making it to the NBA Finals. None. They weren't good as Milwaukee. They weren't good as Boston or Philadelphia. Not even close. They have some talent. Jimmy Butler has been a top 10 player in the playoffs. He turns into a top 10 player. But that, that team wasn't. That team had no business making it to the Finals. They have a great, great coach. But more importantly, they have a great culture. Versus what happened to Philadelphia, or versus the example I used earlier in the podcast, what happened to the Phoenix Suns a couple years, a year, basically a year after going to the finals. And it can fall apart fast. They can fall, a culture can fall apart fast. We'll talk about that uh, later on with what's going on in Philadelphia. But if your culture is not up to par, you have, you, you're not, you have no chance. You have no chance. Look at the teams playing in the playoffs remaining. Okay, Green Bay. They've survived Aaron, the Aaron Rodgers, all that. They've survived Aaron Rodgers. They're playing in the divisional players, playoffs right now. Aaron Rodgers is sitting at home. Houston. One player has completely shifted their culture. They're, they've drafted well in the last couple of years. They're set up nicely. They have an excellent coach. The owner has, you know, has, you know, has back has backed off enough. To allow people to allow uh, football people to do their job, they are set up nicely for the for the near next for the for the near future. Baltimore goes without saying, like they Baltimore from Ozzie Newsom on to their current current people. They there's a standard that they have. They you know is one of the, if not maybe the best culture in all in all of football along with along with Kansas City. Kansas City, San Francisco speaks for itself. The Rams, who just got eliminated, had a great year this year. I didn't have, I had no, uh, th- there was no way that the Rams were supposed to be as good as they were considering the talent they had, they had lost, considering, and then um, and so they, to me, overachieved. And when you have a great culture, you, you might have years where you do overachieve. So when you ask a question, when you have the question, why, you see what happened why you see what happened in in a game seven Phoenix Dallas, or why you see what happened with the Dallas Cowboys? Normally, the dance is probably going to be the coaching is some shit. It's probably going to be that simple. Just go, just go look at the culture of the franchise. Game of the week: uh, Detroit the Rams. Talking about the talking about the aforementioned Rams. This game, um, very strange game. Um, in a sense that you only had you had all four goals in the second half. It was on pace. It seemingly like it was going to be an offensive, uh, like a shootout. Defense is kind of tight. Both defenses tightened up in the second half. Again, the thing I walk away from this game, and you know, the the choice a little bit better. So they absolutely should have won. Um. Matthew Stafford had it. And a lot, Matthew Stafford has taken a lot of heat over the course of his career. 
even winning a Super Bowl, you know, people will say, well, that was a ready-made team, that bunch of talent, whatever. The point, the point is they didn't win it before he got there uh, in terms of with, with Jared Goff. So, and I, so I think people have to back off of Matthew Stafford a little bit. But this, this to me, was as good of a performance I've ever, as I've ever seen from Matthew Stafford, to be honest with you, all things considering it was in the playoffs, even in defeat. He was spectacular. Um, he, he They kicked the shit out of Matthew Stafford in this game. At one point, you thought he was concussed. Um, he was taking all types of hits. Um, he goes 25 to 36, 367, no turnovers. Uh, they couldn't run the ball really effectively. They only had 68 yards total rushing. and But he was spectacular. I give him a ton of credit. They, of course, we, had, we know uh, Pukin uh, Nakua is a stud. He is, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe Cooper Cuff. Cooper Cuff obviously didn't have the year that we're nor- normally accustomed to seeing him have. But uh, he clearly, Nuka is clearly their number one guy right now. But, uh, you know, Detroit, what they had to do to win this game. They, uh, they have known that you know they know how to win. They've won a, a few close games this year. First playoff win, Detroit, going back to the Barry Sanders era, Kramer era in 1991. Matter of fact, their last playoff win was against the, well, maybe I think 92 uh, was their last playoff win. They, I, it was 91 or 92. I think it was 92, 90. I think it was the 91 season actually. Uh, since their last playoff win, I'm gonna look that up right now, but. It's been a long time for um, the Detroit Lions. And again, we're getting back to what we've been discussing as far as culture. Dan Campbell completely shifted the culture of that team. Now, I remember, listen, uh, you got to give credit where credit's due uh, with Campbell because I, you know, the ankle biting and all that weird stuff that we heard in the press conference a couple of years back saying to, us, you know, saying to yourself, this is not going to last. Uh, I couldn't been I, I'm been dead wrong and a lot of people have been dead wrong in regards to Dan Campbell. Um but he has that team is tough. Uh that team the their defense has improved uh to say the least. Um they go into you know next week they absolutely will um they absolutely have a tremendous chance and should they frankly should defeat the, the take take out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home, and and have an excellent chance to get to their first conference finals since uh, 1991. Uh, last playoff win, yeah, their last playoff win was 1991 against uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, that, I think that was 34 to three. Uh, they had their way with Dallas uh, that particular, uh, and then of course lost to Washington. So you're talking, you know, thirty plus years, uh, thirty two years. It's a long time coming. Um, yeah, the Wayne Fonts, Eric Kramer, Barry Sanders, that team. Um, yeah, they destroyed Dallas that year, thirty eight to six. That was a year before Dallas went on to win the Super Bowl the following year. So you give the trade a lot of credit. The Rams, uh, you know, should. Be in a mix next year with the right moves and right draft drafting. They have some young talent, especially on defense. They have a lot. They have a number, some nice pieces on their defense. On on their defense, along still with having the great Aaron Donald, who uh, was again first team All Pro this year. Even though he was, I, 
took a small step back, but you know, when you go, I mean, you know, a small step back for him is going from being arguably the best player in football, minus the quarterbacks, to just a regular first team all pro player. So he still is a top player in this league, and the Rams should be without question. Probably I right now the number one challenger to San Francisco next year in that division should challenge uh possibly one be one of the contenders in the NFC. But you'll have the, the Lions moving on uh to face uh the um the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And remember this, listen, out of all the quarterbacks late out of all the quarterbacks remaining, Mahomes has has won two Super Bowls, of course. Jared Goff has a Super Bowl appearance. So he is on that list, short list of the quarterbacks remaining who have been who have you know been through some of the playoff wars and have actually been to a Super Bowl. So Super Bowl. So uh, you know, the moments should not be too big for uh for one Jared Goff uh moving forward. Biggest disappointment. This was easy. No, it actually wasn't easy because you could have went Dallas, but as much as it, I have to put, Philadelphia has to be the biggest disappointment. I'm going to tell you why over Dallas. Number one, we expected Dallas to, uh, at one point, whether it was going to be this week or next week, we expected Dallas to collapse. This Philadelphia collapse has been something that I've never seen in NFL history. Philadelphia, at one point, was 10 1 in the se- this season, right? Earlier in the season on this very podcast, I discussed this historic stretch Philadelphia, historic run Philadelphia was on going back to last season. They were twenty at one point. They were they were on a twenty five and four run. They were twenty five and four over the last on November twenty sixth when they won um, that game to go ten and one. They would they beat Buffalo in that overtime game. A game Buffalo should have won, and I think helped turn around Buffalo's season. They um. They were on a run, a stretch where they were 25 and four, where that you're talking about amongst the great teams of all times in terms of having that run, that stretch, a stretch like that in terms of that, that with their record. To go from that to what it looks like, what it's looking like now is something that I don't like. You, you see a lot of things in sports. This is something that I never would have. Wouldn't in a million years would have ever predicted that could happen. Um, again, there's low hanging fruit to talk about. Hey, the defense was bad. Yeah, defense was bad all year long. Yes, they didn't run the ball as well as they did last year. That's it. You lose. First of all, you lose a game. They had to embarrass and loss to Arizona at home, where Arizona did whatever they wanted to do offensively. Okay, we know how bad Arizona was this year as a whole and defensively and obviously in particular. You have a Tampa Bay team that did whatever they wanted to do in that game last night. Um, and, you know, Philadelphia had, again, no answers. There was no answers. For, they had no answers for, for a Tampa Bay team that barely, barely got into the playoffs. They only won that division based off the fact that it was one of the worst divisions in all of football. Which the AFC NFC South was one of the worst divisions in all football, and now we understand why this happened because you have there is serious internal strife 
among within that organization between Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni, Brian Johnson, the players in that locker room. They're like uh, Jalen Hurts said, you know, we have a lack of an identity. That is a square shot to me uh, at the coaching staff, at, Brian, at, at, at Nick Sirianni. The, the guy who sets the, the tone for the locker room from that standpoint and sets the identity of that team is the head coach. But the problem is you have people above him who are making football moves for him. Hence for firing, reassigning his defensive coordinator after, you know, really panicking after a blowout loss to the San Francisco 49ers or the Dallas Cowboys. It was one of those two games, one of those games that they, that the side got reassigned. And listen, as far as Sirianni goes, I don't like, listen, I think Sirianni is a good coach. I don't think he's great. And based off, based on on merit, based on his record, he shouldn't be fired. But if you don't trust Sirianni to to know, you know, to hire the right assistant coaches, then why is he? He shouldn't be coaching your team. Like you shouldn't want a puppet coaching your football team. That's what I'm talking about. A broken coach. Like I want a guy who has confidence in his own in his assistants. I want a guy. I want to be able to trust that you, as a head coach, know can pick the right assistant coaches. If I don't have that trust in you, you're not coaching my football team. And now you're hearing, you know, uh, that Jeffrey Lurie is a meddlesome is is a meddlesome owner because because you know he wants to believe in this analytics, which is. I've heard I heard that 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 word a lot this weekend in various circles uh in regards to the NFL. Which is scary if you're an NFL fan because analytics is is just seemingly not for just analytics is fine. You want to use analytics, there's no problem with that. But what it does, it does give a owner an entry point into thinking, into meddling into football, making football moves and decisions that he should not be, that that should be made by your team president or your general manager or your, and your head coach. So it gives an owner, it's like a story for an owner in a sense. So Jeffrey Lurie has turned, has seemingly turned into a guy who, yeah, maybe not at the level as far as Jerry Jones, Meddlesome, but approaching that which is not good for that organization. And again, Jalen Hurts took a step back this year. There's no two ways about it. I know he had a number of rushing touchdowns, but as a passer, he took a major step back. Lamar Jackson took a major step forward. Jalen Hurts took a major step back in regards to those two young, young, talented quarterbacks. And it begs the question, who are the Philadelphia Eagles? Are they the team? Because when you look at their... Uh, Look at the last four years. Right, let me pull this up right now. Philadelphia last their last four years. Going back to the twenty, let's go to the twenty twenty season. They were four and eleven. That was the last year. Peterson, of course, that was Peterson's last year. He didn't even make it through the season. Four eleven and one uh, with Peterson before Peterson got fired. Twenty twenty one, they they're nine and eight, lost in the wild card to Tampa Bay. Of course, last year they go to the Super Bowl, almost it almost went to Super Bowl 14-3. This year they had one of the great collapses, in-season collapses in NFL history at 11-6. So who are they? Because three of these four years, they've been bad. 
they've been bad. Even with the even with the fact that they've made the playoffs three straight years, are they closer to the nine and eight team? They're not a four and eleven team. We know that, but are they that much better than are they are they that much better than nine and eight, eleven and six, somewhere in between there? They're certainly not the fourteen three team that we saw last year. They're not that team. Don't seemly they seemly that they're not that team right now. And again, Hurson's contract, right. As these years go by, his contract is only going to eat up that much more of the salary, salary cap, which means that you're going to lose more talent and be dependent on him to, you know, compensate for the loss of that talent because that's what happens when you pay uh, Jalen Hurts franchise quarterback money. And all these friends, like Cincinnati's going to have to go through this, uh, all these franchises. Kansas City, all these franchises that pay these quarterbacks that type of money will have to go through this at some point, losing a lot of talent. We saw Kansas City struggle with it this year, losing the amount of talent that they have because their quarterback is taking is eating up a lot of their, a lot of their um, salary cap. And looking at con- looking at Hurts' contract, Hurts' uh, cap hit in 2024 actually is not that bad. It's actually not that, to be honest with you, they're still in good shape when it comes. They actually, they actually do a great job, a great job at, at negotiating the contract because his 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 cap hit next year is only thirteen million dollars. That's not in twenty twenty four, twenty five, twenty one, twenty six, thirty one. So they actually have a couple of years before he go before he starts really eating to that eating to their salary cap. They actually so. From that standpoint, they did a great job in terms of negotiating that contract, which should allow them to put to put more talent around him. But even with that being said, even with that being said, he still is going to have to develop uh, for this franchise to go to the next for this franchise to return to where they were at last year. Last year, I thought he took a step forward in terms of his passing within the pocket. Again, this year he took a major step back. And it seems like he wasn't is not happy about the direction of the offense and the direction of the team that the, that the team is not going is going into. That the team is going, I should say. And didn't give the greatest ringing endorsement to Nick Sirianni, to be honest with you, in that press conference. They have a lot of questions. Uh, Kelsey's Kelsey retires. Some major law. I mean, the guy's going to be. Uh, he's a Hall of Fame tight. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame center. One of the best centers of this generation. So that's a. I mean, that's a major loss. But they, their, the defense needs to be completely revamped. Their defense was awful this year. They were literally one of the worst defenses in the in the league this year. And down the stretch, they were the worst defense in football. So they're worse. I think they're worse. I think their collapse is worse, or their what's going on with them is even worse than the Cowboys. To be honest with you, I really do. I mean, at least with the Cowboys, everybody know who's running, the calling the shots. And it's no, it's Jerry. It's not a good thing, but everybody kind of knows how you know who's the guy from that standpoint. With the Eagles, I, listen. I mean, Larry's the owner, but. You like it, there are too many voices, too many like there's 
the, the leadership in that locker room is like is 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 mind boggling to say is mind boggling to me because you know you have a number of strong personalities, some guys who could have a chance to be future Hall of Famers in that locker room, some guys who are considered to be respected, you know, with Kelsey, uh, Fletcher Cox, Graham, that core four. But it just goes, it just goes to show you it doesn't matter the leadership in the locker room if your front office is in the shambles. And I'm telling you right now, Howie Roseman. I don't see how how like if you do get rid of Sirianni, I don't see how you would keep Howie Roseman if I'm if I'm if I'm Jeffrey Lurie. Like how many coaches has has he went? Would, would he have gone through? To be honest, you know, post Andy Reid, we're talking what Chip Kelly, we're talking uh, what Chip Kelly, Nick Sirianni, Doug Peterson. Would this be his what fourth or fifth coach? So I, I get, I don't see, and he's not going to lose his job. So that is a, you know, like I said, that is a shit show dumpster fire right now in Philadelphia. And it happened, it comes at the worst time because if I'm a Bill Belichick, if I'm a John, Jim Harbaugh, um, I'm looking at that and saying, can I fix this? <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm not dealing with a metal some owner. Not dealing with a medicine owner in, in regards to Jeffrey Lurie. I thought you were the anti Jerry Jones, but if I come to come to find out that you're more like Jerry Jones, I'm good. And that and that coach might not even want full control, but I don't want Jeffrey Lurie, and I don't want to hear about Jeffrey Lurie and his analytics department. Like I'm sorry if I'm a prospective coach. So they've taken some of the luster off that job for sure. I would have told you last this time last week. I would have said that that would be the number one job. For a hardball, well, number two, but because I, I still say the 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 Chargers are number one because of Herbert, but that I would I would I'd rather be perfectly honest with you. Um, I probably I probably would still because it hurts. Atlanta doesn't have a quarterback. I know I know Belichick interviewed interview with Atlanta. They're, like the quarterback situation, I still look at the quarterback situation. Still say hurts. Is a better option than what Atlanta has, or what the Commanders have, or what some of these other job openings have. To be perfectly honest with you, but it's not the luster has definitely been taken off uh, in the last week with what transpired, uh, with what, what has transpired with this organization. There's no two ways about it. Moving on to week, uh, Baker Mayfield, and I never thought that I would say those two words. In terms of who went, who won the week, but Baker Mayfield, you gotta give him all the credit in the world. Mayfield, I didn't even think that he would be, you know, this was a guy that before the season it was a question of whether he would be even a starting quarterback. We knew that he would get a shot, but I, you know, they win a division. He had an excellent year. He, you know, believe it or not, has a winning playoff record: two and one playoff record, seven touchdowns, one interception. The only loss was against Kansas City. Okay. Um. a couple years ago, or yeah, in 2020, three years ago. So you gotta give him a lot of credit. I've never been a Baker Mayfield fan by any stretch of imagination. I, I, we know he's not great, but he played his ass off this year. Um, and you know they're playing in the divisional round. So Baker Mayfield, uh, and he outplayed Jalen Hurts by a mile in that game. It wasn't even close. So he gets the uh, he to me he won. Uh, he won the week. Division of playoffs. Um, 
should be a great set of games. Um, we already talked about the Kansas City Buffalo meeting again, but you know, you're talking about the future, and the future is now in regards to these quarterbacks. Um, uh, you know, between Lamar Jackson, CJ Stroud, uh, Brock Purdy, Jordan Love, uh, great, uh, you know, a number of young, talented quarterbacks. That is a great doubleheader. Um, now, that'll be an interesting doubleheader on Saturday. Uh, with the Texans Ravens, the Ravens absolutely should win that game. The, again, we talk about pressure. There's, there's no more. There's no team with more pressure on them. No player with more pressure on them right now than the Baltimore Ravens. Than, than, and then Lamar Jackson. If you're Lamar Jackson, you're coming off of your best season of your career. You have the best. You have one of the best teams, if not the best team in football, uh, based on what happened in the regular season against San Francisco. The best team in football, considering how dominant you were. The dominant performance they had against them. Um, you win this game and you win it going away. Period. You win it going away. Texans don't really belong on the same field as the Ravens. CJ Stroud, if CJ Stroud is able to go into uh, that stadium and win um, another and win a road game and go to the conference championship his first year, uh, that will just add to this. That will add to a legend to already was been to me the best rookie season by any quarterback uh, in NFL history, and we'll start talking about him. Is he is he going to be what is he going to do what Joe Burrow did a couple of years ago and just take a team to the Super Bowl and possibly win it? Like, will those conversations will start to happen if, he, if he's able to do this? But I expect the Ravens to be able to handle uh, the Texans. But again, I, it's hard. The better against the way CJ Stroud is playing. That team has a little mojo, some magic to them right now. They will go in there. They Houston can go in there. They will be as as loose as loose can be. They can go in there and they can play free. There's no pressure. And I mean no pressure on Houston in that game. They've already done accomplished. They've far exceeded expectations. All the pressure's on Baltimore from that standpoint. Packers 49ers, I think that will be a reality check for the for the Packers. The 49ers physically are just too physical for the Packers. I don't think Packers will be able to run the ball. They will be able to, like, Jordan Love uh, can make some plays because if, you, if you're going to do something against 49ers, it's going to be against that secondary. Secondary is not great. So you can make some plays that can be made against that secondary. But I just think physically, I, I think physically the 49ers will stop the run and be able to run against the Packers. And I frankly expect the Packers to win going, excuse me, the 49ers to win uh, going away. And of course, uh, Buccaneers Lions, you know, um, should be a solid game. I look, I don't look, I don't think the Buccaneers are any good. I mean, again, the Buccaneers have a very good defense, but the Lions from top to bottom are clearly better at home. Um, I expect the Lions to win this game. Uh, it, I think it'll be a close game, but I, I fully expect the Lions to to come to, to win this game, and would be somewhat surprised if they don't come out on top. And of course, the the week. Weekend is capped off by Chiefs Bills. I, you know, this is borderline a toss. This is basically a toss up. Man, Bills should win. They should win. But man, I'm like, Mahomes is the type. There's been a lot of talk about Mahomes never having to play a role playoff game and having basically. You know, all his home, all his games at either home or neutral site. Neutral sites, of course, being the Super Bowl, 
Mahomes is so competitive. I uh, you can uh, if Mahomes goes out there and throws a four touchdowns and three hundred seventy five yards, it would not surprise me considering how competitive he is. I'm I'm gonna go towards. I'm, I think the Bills will win a close game, maybe an overtime game. But man, I'm very nervous about that pick. I'm very nervous, very. I thought the Bills would get to the conference championship. I'm extremely nervous about that pick. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, um, I, I, it's hard to pick against Mahomes. Hard to pick against Mahomes. It really is. But I think that Kansas City this year is just not quite up to par. Now, I know. We're going to play, I know. I, I don't think. I know Kansas City is not what they once were. What they have been in the in the Andy Reid Mahomes era, and I think that you know. Game will be close. All they, all their games are close. These two teams play for the most part, and um, I believe that uh, Allen will be able to make one, one play, one play enough. I, I think the difference is going to be the running game of Buffalo. I do think that Buffalo. Uh, I, I, I think I'll be watching out. I'll be watching the Buffalo. Is will they stick with the running game? And Kansas offense, even last week against against. Um, Miami, the offense wasn't good. So they kicked a bunch of field goals. So their offense is still not, again, close to where it, it had it once was, where it once uh to where we're accustomed to seeing it. Uh can this is a game with your Buffalo, you have to run the ball anywhere from 34 to 40 times. You have to. And this has to be a Josh Allen game. It just it just does. Because I know I know what Mahomes is gonna bring. In these type of games, the bigger the game, the better he plays. Uh, real thoughts, of course. Uh, the Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin says he's going to be back uh, in Pittsburgh. I know there's a lot of people in Pittsburgh that are angry, or not happy about that. A few people that are not happy about that. Keep this in mind. Here's the thing. I'm not even saying you're, they're all the way wrong. First of all, based on record, there's no way you could fire Mike Tomlin based off his record. Um, that team, you know, he hasn't had a losing season in 17 years. It's not Mike Tomlin's fault that he doesn't have a quarterback. Now, I heard some people say, some Pittsburgh people say, well, he wasn't able to establish, he wasn't able to see that Mason Rudolph was his best quarterback. How far do you think you were going with Mason Rudolph? Like, seriously. Like, like what, what are we talking about here? Mason, Mason Rudolph. There does come a time, though, when you could be at a place for too long. Uh, Bill Parcells and Pat Raleigh both said, basically, like, the 10-year rule. Once a coach gets past 10 years, you don't, basically, you don't borrow time. That, 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 that is the perfect amount of time to be at one place before you move on. And listen, I'm not saying that Thomas should be fired. What I'm saying is it might be time for him it might be in not only his best interest, but in the best interest of the organization if he were to move on. Now, clearly, based off you know what he said, this is not going to happen. But it, I, I would say it would not be the worst thing if he had cho- if he had cho- if he had chosen to move on because I think that uh, seventeen years is a long time. It's a long, long time, and the one thing about Pittsburgh. Besides needing a quarterback, they need to kind of modernize how they're doing things. I think, you know, it sounds great the Pittsburgh way, the standard is the standard, but, you know, if you're not, you know, 
it's, it's I, you know, it's a saying, adapt or die. And if you're not evolving or progressive in the NFL, then you're going to be stuck. And right now they're stuck in the middle. Like they're good enough to barely make the playoffs, but they haven't won a playoff game in seven years. And they've been embarrassed in their last five playoff losses. So these are these are things that we that these that have to be looked at and can't be ignored. That's all there is to it. But again, I'm not saying Mike Thomas should be fired. Not saying that. But they have to again, they need in terms of their culture, maybe just tweak the culture, maybe or update the culture. Uh as far as interviews coaching, we talk uh Belichick interview with Atlanta. Listen, I I'll stick uh, stick to what I believe. Belichick will go wherever whoever gives him the whoever gives him close to full to full power. That's where he's going. So it may not be the best job as far as in terms of winning. Whoever gives Bill Belichick total close to total power, that's where he's going to end up. Harbaugh ends up not ends up interviewed with with the Chargers. Harbaugh is apparently trying to buy the state of Michigan. And I'll explain that on the next podcast because I'm gonna, I want to deep dive that situation about some of the contract things that he's trying to get put in his Michigan contract, which is just is fascinating and it's, it's crazy. But we'll, we'll talk about that later. So we'll see what happens with him. Gino Oriama uh, came out and basically is whining about not being able to build solid relationships with, the, with his players because – Instead of his, most of the players being there for four years, they're only there for one year. And here's the bottom line. Like, Gina, we never heard this when Connecticut was on top. And there was a point where Connecticut was not only on top, there was a, like, there was Connecticut in the rest of college basketball. Like, they were so by far the best college basketball program that it, was, it wasn't even close. Like, we're talking about a guy who's won 11 national championships and has had a handful of undefeated seasons. Now they find themselves just another great program. Like they're a top ten team, and they, you know, they have they they can make it to an elite eight or a final four, but they are no longer that it program. And Gino Gino Oriana Oriema cannot handle that. He cannot. A lot of these coaches cannot handle the players being as popular as they are. A lot of these coaches cannot handle players being able to do what they've been doing, and that's leave when they want to. So it goes beyond just nil. NIL, this is talking about the transfer portal. This is talking about just player empowerment. This is talking about players being as important to the school as the coach. Remember, there was a time where North Carolina basketball, you thought about North Carolina basketball, you thought about Dean, Dean Smith. You thought about Indiana basketball, you thought about Bob Knight. You thought about UCLA, you thought about John Wood, and so on and so on. Woody Hayes, Ohio State. That, that day is done. The coach, the player, is the one that is setting uh, that people look at because they're on they're on because of the social media era because of just just I mean it's it's, it's a different world and Saban is gone you've heard Lane Kiffin complain about it you've heard a number of other coaches complain about it uh, I don't believe that's why Coach K retired I believe Coach K was coaching forever and it was time for Coach K Coach K to go so he actually was he actually evolved over the course of 40 plus years. And that's why he went out, you know, with a final four appearance, uh, making it to a final four. So I don't put him in that same brass of people that I heard complaining about the current situation, but you know, you heard rumbling again, Nick Saban, Roy Williams, 
her rumblings about him not being happy with the direction of, of college sports. So this old guard, they're on their way. They're they're on their way out. And if you don't, if you cannot, if you cannot evolve with the times of this current system, NIL transfer portal, then there's no place for you in in college sports. It's just not, you just, or you're just gonna be, or you're just gonna be completely just frustrated. So I will see how long Jim Orama lasts, or how long more, how long he coaches. I, the way it sounds, I'll be, I maybe two more years. Maybe this year, maybe next year. It would, it would, would it shock me if you retired after this year? No. Be on perfect honest with you. It would not. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of The Real Deal Podcast. This podcast will be up uh, by tomorrow. Have a great, great rest of your evening. Bye-bye.